Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show with Matt West. And here we are rocking it on the Automotive ADHD Show, heard around the world as a podcast right here in Southern Colorado. On the radio, AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. Matt West here, hanging out with you on the weekend, talking cars. Now, I have a very special guest joining me in the third and fourth halves of this show, Steve Emmers, the guardrail guy, who's a road safety advocate, and he's going to talk about why guardrails, which are normally thought of as saving lives, are actually incredibly dangerous, especially when mismanaged and misinstalled, or, well, installed incorrectly. Correctly. Also, Toyota, who can do no wrong, has had their uh, truck ads banned in the United Kingdom. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about a new winter tire designation, which I'm sure everyone, by the way, has been asking for. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. It's it's actually very exciting. We're going to talk about that and the massive importance of winter tires. I'm also excited to announce this month's Car Sound giveaway winner, who will be taking home the Pelsey P12 Pro dash cam. This is really cool. You got to stick around. This is a loaded show today. Uh, now, I hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving. Uh, between all of the uh, overeating and napping, I managed to muster up the energy to uh, do some work on my S2000. I did, or at least I started, a bushing replacement on my uh, S2000 suspension bushings. Um, to clarify, I have not finished it yet. I started. I haven't finished. Um, if you've uh, if you've ever done bushings uh, on any car, let alone one with quad double wishbone suspension, all four corners of the car double wishbone. There's lots of bushings in that car. Um, then you'll understand, you know, why most shops uh, typically just tell you, you know what, it's worth, it's not worth your time physically pushing the bushings out and then replacing them, pressing them back in. It's more cost effective in terms of labor in many cases to just buy brand new control arms from the factory with brand new bushings already installed in them. When you consider the actual labor that's involved with it, it's often cheaper to just replace it. That would be the smart decision. I, however, am not taking the smart decision. I am taking the long and painful <laughs> decision. So um, I, I assume I'll probably have the job done by next Thanksgiving uh, at the uh, at the very least. So that's my Thanksgiving update. I hope you had a great time uh, enjoying Thanksgiving with your family, maybe wrenching on some project cars after Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's you actually just overeating and then napping on the couch sometimes is uh, sometimes is the way to go. Now, anyway, so last week I gave you the F1 Vegas rundown. But that being said, I I missed this, which is a very, very interesting thing, which uh, comes from the Jimmy Kimmel show. I can't believe I I can't believe that I missed this. And uh, <laughs> this is pure gold. So this is uh, Guillermo from the Jimmy Kimmel show. He was at the Vegas Strip where he asked F1 drivers to imitate 
car sounds. Yeah, this is this is just wonderful. Now I'm gonna play a I'm I'm gonna play a sound clip for you, and this includes the voices of Sergio Perez, Charles Leclerc, Yuki Sunoda, Sunoda, Yuki Sunoda. There we go. Um, it's uh, I only speak English sometimes. Uh, sometimes I get it right, and that wasn't even English. So uh, Esteban Ocon and the McLaren team principal Zach Brown. All of those voices are in this clip. So uh, see if you can pick their voices out of this. No, for me, it's more of a high RPM, like, ooh. All right, let's do it together. That's real fast. Yeah, it is, it is probably yeah. fast. More like a high V12 sound <laughs> I like the sound of a downshift. Bing, 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 bing. Oh, man. So, honestly, this skit here is, you know what? It's brilliant, in my opinion. I encourage you to watch the whole video, which is linked on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. Now, uh, you know, I'll be so bold here as to steal this idea from my own show. I'm going to do some blatant plagiarism here. So normally you can send your car sounds into my show on the uh, aforementioned Facebook page for a chance to win some free stuff and have me play those car sounds on the radio. I love playing your car sounds on the radio. Um, Now, the problem is some folks may not have a car. And, you know, they may still be tuned into this show and they are unfairly excluded from the car sound of the month giveaway. And um, so that being the case, I will amend the rules from this point forward. If you send in a clip of yourself doing a car sound impression, I will play that as well on the radio for everyone to hear and potentially mock. I can't make any guarantees. Um, now, I, you know, and here's the thing. I won't even honestly pick a monthly winner for this if you just do it at all if you even do it i will just you know outright send you at the very minimum a uh, keychain which uh, oh here we go gotta pull that out there we go key tag automotive adhd key tag as well as a automotive adhd sticker at least while supplies last uh, so you can send those car sound impressions now into uh, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. Also, I did mention I am announcing the winner for the car sound giveaway uh, coming up here uh, later in the show. And they are going to win the Pelsey P12 Pro dash cam in addition to the automotive ADHD keychain and the sticker. So um, anyway, good stuff right there. Uh, check out that video from the uh, Jimmy Kimmel show. That was that was quality right there. So quality again that I'm I'm stealing that. So uh, speaking of things broadcast on television or in this case, maybe not broadcast on television. This comes by way of The Guardian. And uh, this is Toyota. Okay, Uh, Toyota has been banned from having their ads of the Toyota Hilux pickup truck in the United Kingdom. And uh, this is. This is interesting, okay? So uh, the Hilux pickup truck, uh, by the way, is a very cool pickup truck. We don't get it in the American market because reasons, I guess. Um, but here is some of this. The complaint here comes from a advertising watchdog, whatever that means, uh, called Ad Free Cities. And um, the uh, they have, I'm going to read this from the uh, 
uh, Guardian article here. Uh, quote, these adverts uh, exemplify Toyota's total disregard for nature and the climate by featuring enormous, highly polluting vehicles driving at speed through rivers and wild glass grasslands. Um, so the uh, the spokesperson there for that also goes on to say uh, this ruling, referring to the uh, the banning of the Toyota advertisement, is a good moment to think about the limitations of what regulators can do. Uh, okay, okay. So they they they're saying they're saying that the uh, Toyota Hilux is an incredibly polluting. Their words here, their words, highly polluting vehicles. Um, let, we're gonna we're gonna kind of give a rebuttal to that and and uh, talk about more of this here after the break as well as playing your car sounds and announcing this month's car sound winner as well as having uh, Steve Emmers the guardrail guy joining me in the third and fourth halves of the show don't go anywhere you're listening to automotive ADHD right here on AM 1460 and FM 101.1 the answer. was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of turbos danced in their heads. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. When what to my wondering eyes did appear but a Mark IV Supra with boost to hear, and a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment he must be Saint Nick. And then, in a twinkling, I heard the tires screech, the prancing and pawing of each horsepower. Down the track, St. Nicholas came with a bound. A bundle of parts he had flung on his back. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and filled all the stockings with speed parts and more, for the children would not have to return the core. He sprang to his Supra, with tires to roast, and down the track he went making the most. With forty pounds of boost on tap, he tore, knowing the children would soon have more saying Merry Christmas from the Automotive ADHD Podcast. Ho, ho, horsepower. Those car sounds were sent in by Scott, his 2013 Dodge Dart. And uh, you also heard Scott's Dodge Dakota, which I played a clip of earlier in the month. And uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna get to this here now. Remember, this month's Car Sound giveaway is sponsored by Pelsey, P-E-L-S-E-E, makers of the P12 Pro dash cam. The P12 Pro keeps your windshield uncluttered with suction cups, accessories, all of that. I hate that stuff on the windshield because this dash cam replaces your mirror, um, and also doubles as a uh, 12-inch extension rearview mirror that is also a touchscreen and the LCD it's all it's all baked into one thing it's got a forward-facing 4k dash cam rear-facing 1080p dash cam that also doubles as your uh, backup camera too which is uh, very cool if you want to hear me talk a little bit about uh, more about the Pelsey p12 pro uh, listen to some more uh, episodes of this show from the past month on the podcast and the reason I'm talking about it is you may know that over the past month if you send your car sounds into my Facebook page facebook.com slash automotive ADHD I uh, not only play them here on the radio but I enter you for a chance to win some cool stuff and you just heard Scott's car sounds drum roll here on the desk Scott 
is this month's winner. Scott, congratulations. Thank you for sending those car sounds into the show. I hope that you very much enjoy the P, uh, the Pelsey P12 Pro dash cam, as well as the keychain and the sticker. Now, if you didn't win in this month's car sound giveaway, there will be more in the future, so don't worry. Uh, but if you're still interested in that P12 Pro, go check out uh, Pelsey, Pelsey.com. Support the folks who support automotive ADHD. They keep the lights on here in the studio, and they keep the show on the air. So a huge thank you to uh, Pelsey as well. Now, before the break, I was talking about Toyota having uh, one of their, a couple of their uh, uh, Hilux, Toyota Hilux pickup truck advertisements banned in the UK. I, oh man, I was, I was just, uh, uh, I was talking about um, the uh, advertising watchdog, you could call it, this this company called Adfree Cities, who reported it and then got the ads banned. And they said that it was, um, here's another quote from them. I read one before the break, but a spokesperson for him said, quote, advertising for SUVs is pushing up the demand for massive, gas-guzzling, highly polluting cars in urban environments just when we want streets that are safer and cleaner and accessible uh, and have accessible low-carb carbon transport transport systems that's what this uh this person said and and okay toyota uh, issued their own rebuttal to this, saying that Toyota does not condone behavior that is harmful to the environment. In fact, over the course of the past three decades, not only has Toyota been one of the leaders in the automotive field in terms of carbon emissions, reduction across uh, its vehicle offerings. So um, they go on to say they have shared um, hundreds of um uh, uh, things allowing others uh, to use their electric. They, they've shared, I guess, royalty-free licenses, I should clarify. Slow down. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, they've shared hundreds of royalty-free licenses allowing other companies to use their electrification technology in many ways. So they're saying that they're actually very green for the environment. And they also added that the advertisements that were filmed were filmed on private land in non-ecologically sensitive environments and that the uh, some of the advertisement was even computer generated in reality. So the advertising watchdog, uh, Ad Free Cities, says that even advertising this is a terrible thing. And no, no, I have to side with Toyota out of uh, absolutely zero bias, by the way. Uh, longtime listeners of the show know that I am I am truly capable of being objective when it comes to Toyota, the brand, of course, which can do literally no wrong. Um, and by the way, to to the statement that the Hilux is an incredibly gas guzzling, polluting vehicle. It gets, get this, it's a diesel, all right? Diesels are incredibly clean these days. Modern diesels are cleaner than even some gas cars out there um, when it comes to emissions. And the Hilux can get over 30 miles to the gallon while um, towing, by the way, 7,800 pounds. Uh, well, probably not while towing, but it has a towing capacity of 7,800 pounds. It can carry 2,200 pounds in the bed. And then when you're unloaded and just cruising around town, over 30 miles per gallon uh, fuel economy there. What what passenger car has that ability? If you've got something, maybe you got a uh, uh, maybe you have a farm and you need to get stuff done on your farm and then drive into town on the weekends and get stuff. You want that fuel economy and you want that payload. What cars get over 30 miles per gallon fuel economy? but can also tow almost 8,000 pounds. By the way, the four-cylinder diesel um, has 369 
nice pound feet of torque and uh it is uh, you know what this it's a tragedy we don't get the toyota hilux here in the united states we don't get it it is a great pickup truck we get the tacoma now the tacoma is a wonderful pickup truck uh, as someone who owns a um Toyota Tacoma. I love it. I've got the uh, the V6 and the six-speed manual transmission, and it's a great truck. It uh, doesn't get 30 miles per gallon, by the way. That it does not. Um, it gets closer to like 16 to 18 with the tires I've got on it and uh, and some of the equipment and stuff I, I carry in it. So, yeah, um, no, it doesn't get 30 miles to the gallon, and it doesn't have a diesel with almost 400 pound-feet of torque. Um, so, look, the, the Toyota Hilux is a great truck. It really is. It's a shame we don't get them in the United States. They look great. They are known for their durability, so not only do they look good, they, they actually do the job, you know, form and function. Um, and they are legendary for their their ruggedness. And these advertisements show the ruggedness of the Hilux pickup truck. Um, so, you know, the advertising watchdog, I say in air quotes, says that this is shameful. We can't advertise this. Look, it's a pickup truck that gets like commuter car mileage in the city and can do all this rugged stuff. And they say, well, you can't advertise that. Well, what about the people who actually do use their truck for rugged stuff? What about those people who actually do take it off-roading, who work on farms, who drive it through these, you know, different conditions? Come on. Like, you got to think about that. Um, uh, also, they make a GR Racing, uh, Gazoo Racing, Toyota's GR division, makes a version of this truck, which, come on, we don't, we don't get the truck here in the States, and we don't get the GR version of said uh, Hilux pickup truck. Uh, I mean, come on. And 7,800 pounds towing capacity, that's more than my V6 Tacoma with the towing package. My towing capacity is 6,400 pounds. So, I, I'm just saying. You know, I, I, here's this. Here's this. I will I will amend my Toyota can do no wrong statement. Um, and I will I will amend that. And, uh, and th they can do wrong. I, I have been wrong. All this time, you know, I will admit it right here that that I have been untrue and unfaithful to you as a listener. Toyota can do wrong in this one instance, which is not selling the Hilux pickup truck here in the United States. And yeah, you might say, well, we got the Tacoma. Yeah, but the Hilux, even base model Hiluxes are way cheaper than Tacomas. They're durable. They're fun. Come on, Toyota. That, that, that is the only time you will ever hear me say that. Fact right there. Um, as a side note, I'll wrap up on this, and then we're going to talk about winter tires. Um, Ad-Free Cities, this uh, this advertising watchdog, um, they're on Twitter, by the way. Their handle is at Ad-Free Cities. Not that you should follow them. Um, instead, you should um, you should go on their Twitter page and and spam their comments with uh, videos of American truck ads and like four by four ads. Also, uh, complain to them about not knowing what the difference between an SUV and a uh, pickup truck is. Because in all of this, they've been calling the Hilux an SUV. I can understand the confusion between calling a uh, crossover and a body on frame SUV like a Jeep Wrangler or a Ford Bronco. I, I can get that. Like I can see the the line there that people would confuse those those two vehicles. But a pickup truck. And an SUV are very different items. I'm just throwing that out there. So, um, next thing here, winter tires. Winter tires. We are coming into some cold winter weather uh, here, in especially in Colorado. We just had a snowstorm a couple of days ago. And uh, there is a new tire rating that has come out. And I don't know why this hasn't existed before. Um, so winter tires, uh, previously have been rated in such a way that involves acceleration, um, in certain types of scientifically set up 
specific conditions. Okay, so um, and they get that rating based on their ability to accelerate in those conditions. Well, now there is a new rating that involves um, slowing down, stopping in those same conditions, too, which I would argue is so much more important than even accelerating in the first place, because what's the point in accelerating if you can't stop? And this is very um, interesting. Um, and so, yes, we've had winter ratings on tires before. This is a new way to do it. It's going to come to many new tires out there. It's only available on a, on a select few types of tires right now. But I can't believe that the, the, the classification for this, the testing to get that badge of approval on a winter tire hasn't been updated to include stopping and turning. I mean, winter tires are so important. So many times I hear people say, oh, I'll be fine. I've got all wheel drive in the winter. Well, yeah, but you're on summer tires. You're on uh, all season tires. All season tires are really no season tires, in my opinion. They, they really are like they kind of, you know, they're not like a jack of all trades and a master at none. No, they just kind of suck at everything. I mean, they're maybe OK in the dry, but even then, I, I'm not a big fan of all season tires. I think you should have a purpose built winter tire, especially on a passenger car. Um, and look again, folks say I've got all wheel drive. I'll be fine. Well, your all wheel drive or your four wheel drive in either case doesn't help. It might help you get unstuck, but it doesn't help you when it comes to braking and turning, which are so much more important than just getting unstuck. You need to be able to stop and evade obstacles, uh, you know, either completely stop or turn and avoid them without wiping out yourself. And I think a, a, even a studded winter tire is uh, probably the best way to go. And really, you know, to be, you know, folks say, well, I don't like the idea of having to swap tires. It's a hundred bucks every time I go to the tire shop to unmount the tire from the wheel and put on my winter tires. Well, you know, owning an automobile, I think you should own a second set of wheels. Yes, there's an upfront cost there, but your automobile, your car is how how many thousands of dollars? If you've got a newer car, how many tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars might that car be? And you're complaining about six, seven hundred bucks for a second set of wheels that you can just leave your winter tires on, leave them mounted up and then just swap them in your driveway or take them to the tire shop and have them swap just do the labor of swapping the the wheels one wheel for another wheel it's significantly cheaper than actually unmounting the tire from a single set of wheels and mounting up your winter tire every time uh winter rolls around so i think winter tires are super important there's no excuse not to have them uh especially if you live in a climate that well you know has snow you do need snow like that is important so hey don't go anywhere we're talking more road safety not just winter tires we're talking guardrails with steve the guardrail guy coming up after the break on am 1460 and fm 101.1 the answer you're listening to automotive adhd and it's right here every day thousands go without the ability to buy necessary and life-saving parts. Parts like turbos, coilovers, and wheels. I'm Steve Turbocharged BRZ. It doesn't run because I can play with my connecting rod through the hole in my block. Project cars sit unfinished, waiting for parts, collecting dust. My name is Todd and I bought a rotary. It's okay bro, we'll uh, swap it. But no more. You, yes you, can make a difference. More information is available on the Automotive ADHD Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD. Colorado Springs number one car show by default. 
This is Automotive ADHD. I am honored to have my next guest joining me. He is a road safety advocate who has taken a tragedy in his life and devoted himself to guardrail safety. Now, his advocacy work has been featured on major network news. It's reached some of the highest political offices, and he also runs a YouTube channel to spread awareness where his videos have collectively been viewed over 72 million times, and most importantly, he is a father. You may know him as the guardrail guy. Steve Emmers, welcome to Automotive ADHD. Hey, how's it going, Matthew? And I'm really glad to I'm really glad to have you on. And I want to talk a little bit about your background firstly. And then if you're willing, after the fact, I'd like you to share a little bit about your daughter, Hannah, and her story, if that's all right. So um, I'm Steve and I um, was a registered nurse and I was an EMT and I was living in western New York and it's awful snowy there. Uh, pretty high taxes. And about 20 some years ago, I decided, hey, I've had enough of healthcare. I'm going to uh, I'm going to move and I'm going to make a career change. So I moved to uh, near to Knoxville, Tennessee, looked around the country, looked at tax structure, climate, and uh, really liked what I saw in East Tennessee. Started a window cleaning business and we had uh, at the time we moved to Tennessee from New York, we had one daughter, Hannah, our oldest, had two other children, and then we adopted three from Eastern Europe and Ukraine, Kharkiv region, Kharkov, um, depending on whether you're using the Russified or the Ukrainian. Uh, had a baby, adopted two out of the opioid epidemic, and then um, we... It was late October of 2016. Our daughter came to us and said, hey, um, our daughter Hannah said, my friend um, wants to place this baby and she's contemplating choices. And most of us are not really ever confronted with whether we truly believe what we say we believe, regardless of what we believe. And so we were and um, we ended up agreeing to adopt a baby. Um I remember it was October 31st of 2016. I went to my wife and said, I've been trying to figure out every which way to get out of this. This child deserves to be wanted from right now. And uh, eight hours later, the sister that advocated for this young boy to join our family was killed in a crash with a guardrail where the guardrail speared through her vehicle. Oh, and so, you know, we have... Um, uh, Nicholas, our youngest, has been. Uh, uh, I would never, I would never suggest that anyone uh, adopt to replace a child. That's that's not what we did. We had started this adoption beforehand, but he has been a bright light in a dark situation. Wow, wow, and that that just weighs heavy on my heart. Is you know just hearing that story and. And, you know, it's one of those things that you can't ever replace a person like that once they're gone. I mean, there's there's a hole in your life like that. And and it's just I think you've been really strong in being able to um, take that tragedy and and turn some of your focus now into some of the advocacy work to prevent other families from experiencing that that same type of tragedy. So uh, tell me a little bit here going into, you know, guardrails. That's that's your primary focus. And and tell me a little bit about 
Well, you know, what they do, let's get like a guardrail 101. And, you know, we, we drive by guardrails every single day and, and we don't give them a second thought. So a lot of people may not really. Well, yeah, I know a guardrail is supposed to stop me from going off the road here. But what do they do and why can they be so dangerous, especially in the circumstance involving Hannah? What, what is so dangerous about them? So the first thing I would say is guardrail is first and foremost a hazard. It is a ribbon of steel on the side of the road that you're going to hit at between you know 55 and 85 miles per hour. This is a hazard, and so we have to know that we have a we have a greater hazard by which we're trying to mitigate that threat. And so the approach ends the trailing and approach end of guardrail are especially dangerous. So you need to treat them um and we have seen over and over with a number of uh the treatments that we have uh, used how um some companies will uh, cut corners they will test in-house using essentially a dummy corporation and then uh self-certify and the foxes are guarding the hen houses And um, I have uncovered multiple systems where what was tested and reported to the Federal Highway Administration was not what was sold. I mean, I have certifications filed in Colorado where uh, it said it was independent testing when, in fact, it was not. And it's not just the product involved in Hannah's crash. This is multiple entities, and a lot of them will use lobbying over building a decent product um and that's not acceptable i believe in a concept called the imago day life has inherent transcendent value and i'm I'm not going to sit here and tolerate one the death of my child but much less i mean it's one thing i i keep i go back to golda meyer who was uh, one of the first prime ministers of israel and she said it's one thing that you kill our children but you also force us to kill your children in return. And uh, I I, I can accept that what happened to Hannah happened, but I cannot accept that it's going to happen to somebody else in that same kind of light. That's completely unacceptable. And that's my goal now is to raise awareness because we have guardrails. uh, I mean, I often highlight Tennessee, and unfortunately, Tennessee is probably in the top 20% of good performing states we have states all across the united states who are much worse than tennessee i just happen to live here um and i can they're the guardrails i can walk i can't get to colorado i can't get to but i mean i see posts that have been burned up in wildfires never replaced posts that are rails that are rotten um rails that are functionally obsolete by decades half a century even uh, blunt and concrete bridge rails killing dozens of people annually in our most rural communities and nobody's saying a word it's safety theater it, it really is 
you know, especially when you think about these rural communities, these rural communities are oftentimes going to be in, in places where there are dangers. There's obstacles that require guardrails. You know, I think back to Colorado where this show airs on the radio, but I, I mean, I have listeners on the podcast all across the world, but I think here we've got, you know, tons of mountains and we've got ditches and ravines and these these obstacles, things you would really not want to drive a car into. So so the state comes along and they, they put guardrails everywhere. I mean, we, I see a ton of them, but even here driving to the, the radio station, I wasn't traversing any major mountain pass to get here, but there was a bridge with a little creek along the side of it, and there was a guardrail where the the uh, the posts weren't bolted in right at the end of the terminal. You had the posts and you've got the main rail. Just I didn't even notice it. I drive by it every day, and I, I noticed it today because I was thinking about this interview before coming in here, and I went, Gee, that's not even that's not even bolted down. So uh, that and that kind of brings me to uh, you know ask you here. You know, we've got a minute left in this segment, but ask you about what are some of the common issues you find on the road? What are some of the most common issues, and are they inherently a design flaw of the guardrail? Like you were saying, some of these companies get things uh, lobby to have things uh, approved that really shouldn't be, or is it also? a combination of just poor installation on behalf of the contractors who put it in. It's poor installation. It's poor design by the state DOT engineers. And it's often um, the wrong countermeasure and a lack of maintenance. I mean, when we have damaged products, I have found so many people that are being killed hitting damaged products. Or I just had a kid that was 18 years old killed in rural Kansas who hit a turndown unit, which has been banned for uh, since 1994. I was a senior in high school. So it, it's a holistic problem at every level, from the test labs to the manufacturers to the installers to the uh, owners of the roadways, our state DOTs. And then we have a totally feckless Federal Highway Administration that has been completely regardless of red or blue utterly incompetent and so those are our underlying problems pretty much everything wow hold that thought right there we're going to go to a break my guest is steve emmers the guardrail guy we're talking about guardrail safety advocacy for making guardrails safer you're listening to automotive adhd it's right here don't go anywhere ladies and gentlemen the Speed Council proudly presents Automotive ADHD, now on video. For better or for worse, subscribe to Automotive ADHD, now playing on YouTube and Rumble. And we're back for another segment here on the Automotive ADHD Show. Heard around the world as a podcast, also here in Southern Colorado on the radio. If you're just joining us, my guest is a guardrail safety advocate, Steve Emmers. You may know him as the guardrail guy. Steve, thank you again for joining me here on Automotive ADHD. Thanks for having me. And, and so we were talking about in the break a little bit, um, you know, how I, I came across your videos on YouTube and, you know, I was scrolling through YouTube shorts and I, I found one of your videos and that, that took me down a rabbit hole. I watched a bunch of your videos and that's really what got me thinking, you know, we need to, you know, we need to make people aware of the inherent issues that are happening on our roads right now. And so, uh, you know, we look at guardrails as an example, and that's a lot of your main focus. You know, we drive by them every single day. We don't bat an eye at them. Maybe we see one, wow, that one's twisted up and damaged, and then we don't think about it. But but tell me a little bit about 
guardrails again and how they've changed over the years and how, especially with EVs coming into the mainstream, EVs are really heavy. How does that change how guardrails need to work? So a lot of this goes back to force, you know, kinetic energy. And it's made up of two things, mass and um, velocity. And so one thing that's happened over the years is, is the velocity has increased the vehicles we've and the mass. We knew we had to anchor the ends. We also started seeing as SUVs and pickups started growing in, in height, the height has been raised now to 31 inches. We still have a lot of very old low rail that is unanchored, even though, you know, the anchors we've been testing since 1964. I have a news article in 1961 from uh, Popular Science, but with EVs going back to that whole mass the issue of mass, it's devastating. Um, uh, guardrails are tested at 5,000 pounds, uh, a 5,000 pound pickup. And wow. I've recently looked at it. There are 118 EVs that are over 5,000 pounds. We cannot, um, we can't protect them. You know, these larger ones, the Hummer, the, the Ford pickups, we cannot protect them. They are going to go through these guardrails, and there's nothing we can do about it. Now, the University of Nebraska is studying that, but it's a huge problem, and very, very few people are talking about it. A few people at the Department of Defense, a few people at the University of Nebraska. But, uh, you know, we need folks like Elon Musk, who, you know, partly have given us the problem uh, to help us find the solution. Absolutely. And when you look at those EVs, you look at the weights uh, of those cars. I've talked to in length about EVs on on my show here in the past. And one thing is, I mean, they're insanely heavy. You know, that F-150 Lightning, uh, you know, it's a cool truck. It comes in at about 9,500 pounds. And that's something... I think very few people consider when they get behind the wheel of it. If you get behind the wheel of a a big box truck, for example, that might be, you know, 10,000 pounds. Or, you know, maybe you've got a truck in a trailer, you know, a pickup truck with a trailer. You've got 10,000 pounds, maybe 12,000 pounds. You're cognizant of that weight. You know about that weight. But the way they've designed EVs, they've designed them to, for one, stop well and turn well, despite their mass. And... That causes, I think, the perception behind the wheel. You don't think you're driving a 10,000-pound hunk of steel filled with flammable batteries down the road. I think people don't don't think of that. Is there, when you're looking at guardrail design, um, you know, I'm sure the manufacturers, the designers, the engineers have to build a compromise between guardrail stopping light passenger vehicles versus commercial trucks are you seeing at least in your opinion right now are you seeing any of that development starting to make its way or or is there a difference in how they design those what are your thoughts on that um we we, guardrails are not designed for vehicles over five thousand pounds period um there are times when they will perform but they're not designed okay um so I would anticipate that like a 8,000 pound vehicle with a number of these systems, it would, they would do quite well, but they're not designed there. And as we get into overcapacity hits where say we have one of these terminals on a road that's uh, 75 miles per hour, it was only tested at 62 miles per hour with a 5,000 pound pickup 
truck. If we don't have a system that has built-in excess capacity, um, one of the big issues that I identified with the the device my daughter's crash and other similar devices is there is no excess capacity, and the those people are done for. They they're simply they're they're being handed a fifty foot rope and they've got a hundred foot cliff to go over. And it's it's going to be ugly. And so one of the things we really have to do is have our automotive manufacturers, uh, we need some design standards that, that they're going to try to meet. But we also, it brings up a great opportunity. The best guardrail is going to be the smart guardrail, the guardrail that is communicating with our EVs. There's some huge opportunities here to develop a smart system that's actually encouraging the the vehicle move three degrees away from me because you're about to hit me so that communication those opportunities that that's where the that's where the future lies and that's interesting that's something i hadn't even thought about when it comes to smart technology and you know say vehicles that have uh you know semi-autonomous abilities and things like that now you you spend a lot of time going on the roadways a lot in tennessee and you do travel some looking on the ground you're on the road looking at guardrails you're documenting things you're sending that documentation to political officials but likewise you're also working behind the scenes doing some of this political advocacy um you've dealt with state and local lawmakers extensively why is this a is this a partisan issue? And, you know, because I don't feel like a crash in kinetic energy and physics is very, very partisan. But where, where have you seen political success and roadblocks with this? So I have seen political roadblocks, red and blue, and I've had success, red and blue. And so what I've learned is one of the things is we have 50, 50 three state DOTs technically, because we count a couple uh, Guam and uh, D- D.C. and Puerto Rico, but I go with the people that will work with me. If you got a dance partner, you better dance. Um, if you have somebody who won't dance, then you got to wash your hands and move on to the next one. Um, but I have not seen it be partisan, but I have seen, um, you know, I, recently we had a great success in Florida with Governor DeSantis with probably close to $100 million worth of guardrails. Uh replaced one in every three guardrails in that state was fixed it were either significantly repaired or replaced at the same time disney which is known as an ultra liberal corporation spent 13 million dollars replacing guardrails i've seen um i've not had very good success with uh, governor newsom out in california just ignored uh crash where uh, four four active duty marines were killed hitting a damaged product that had been there for six years but i've seen the same dismissive attitude from uh you know governor charlie baker a republican or governor chris sununu up in new hampshire so i wish i could put a red blue label on this but it's really about political obstinance with some of these folks who just are some of its class i think in california in the northeast they were not really interested in listening to who they considered to be a redneck from rural east tennessee but if somebody shows up and says your house is on fire i don't care if they're black or white or liberal or democrat or republican or i don't care if my house is on fire i'm getting out and and i mean it's you don't shoot the messenger and, and absolutely. So what what do you see in your eyes, at least right now, what are some 
challenges that you see in the legislation? What needs to change right now so we can start saving lives, in your opinion? So one of the things I think we could do is implement, um, I, I get very frustrated. I love Ukraine. I've been all across the country, but I also see us dumping. I have friends. I mean, I have the lapis lazuli from uh Afghanistan. I have so many friends from Afghanistan, but we have poured so much money into foreign wars. I I was once in Moldova. I had a guy say, I'm going to run for president. The first thing I'm going to do is declare war on America, and you're going to bomb us and then rebuild my country, and we're going to become the 51st state. It was a joke, but it was unfortunately true. I would like to see them uh, maybe bomb us in Tennessee with uh, some new guardrails and new bridges and, and bomb us in Colorado with those same things and new schools. Invest in America because this is leading, you know, in Tennessee, I've documented five, I've just gone through 500 some crashes over the last 11 years. Since my daughter was killed in Tennessee, we have had just involving safety barrier in the United States, three 9-11s. We started two wars. We've spent trillions of dollars. Invest $25 billion in safety barrier and bridge rail and uh, cable barriers and center median barriers and crash cushions and attenuators and end terminals. Invest in America and let's rob America's streets because we could prevent the equivalent of a 9-11 every three years by having a safer safety barrier system. Wow. And and so what what can people do to push this up the ladder? How can you know, you, you know, you know, as I'm driving along the road and as other people's are, we're not guardrail experts, but we all have a role that we can play in this, how do we report this on our local level, but also to our state level? What's the best way to rally people behind this, in your opinion? You know, I've seen a number of YouTube viewers who got motivated and reported one guardrail or 10 guardrails. Had one gap in uh, Wisconsin who has reported over 258 guardrails and report one. And keep and engage. Congressman John Duncan was a friend of mine here in Tennessee. I had no political connections before I started, but he, he said, engage with government closest to the people. So go to your state representative, go to your state senator and engage with them and say, listen, hey, listen, I have found four guardrails here. Can you get help me get those fixed? And I don't have time to go out there and look for the other 40, but will you ask the state DOT to place eyes on our roadside? They may miss half of them. But if you get 10 guardrails fixed, you know, it wasn't, I've gotten tens of thousands of guardrails fixed. But at the end of the day, it was not 10,000 guardrails that my daughter hit. It was one. And so there's a Jewish proverb that you might see at the Holocaust uh, Museum. It's I, I really embraced it when I was doing some work, uh, bringing some friends out of Afghanistan, because we, we failed an awful lot. And a lot of the people we weren't able to help died. Is if you save one life, you save the world. Wow. If you save one life, 
you save the world. And so go about saving the world by saving that one life. Absolutely. And that that one life could be, you know, someone's friend, brother, daughter, you know, family member, too. I mean, you know, that's absolutely I think that is a really really great way to to illustrate that point and drive this home and i mean as as motorists as anyone again we we're not you know and everyone doesn't need to be an expert here but just as a motorist you know maybe a hundred thousand people in a week on a busy roadway drive by that broken guardrail and nobody says anything but it's that one person that one person who says something gets a crew out there that crew looks at it says hey we need to fix this and then, you know, and then maybe a week later, someone hits that guardrail but survives because of that. I think, you know, the work you're doing to spread awareness here, you know, is saving lives every day. And it's the amazing thing is we sometimes don't know the lives that we saved, but we know we saved them. And I think what you're doing is incredible work. Steve, how can people support what you're doing? You know, just... um they can watch my videos on YouTube. I recently joined TikTok. You can follow me on Facebook. Um, but the big thing is open your eyes and find your voice. And, it, and maybe it's not guardrails for you, for you. Find your voice and engage with our government. We have a government that has grown to ignore the people. And we need an engaged public. So the big thing that people could do is engage with their political leaders and maybe maybe become the stop sign guy or the pothole guy or maybe just just engage with your political leaders and insist that they advance the goals of the public and not special interests, not industry and not um, the government itself but the people. It's we the people. Absolutely. That is a great way to put it. Again, you can follow him on YouTube. You can follow him on TikTok, Twitter, online, everywhere. Steve, the guardrail guy. Steve, I, I really got to get you back. We just skimmed the surface of this here on the show today. So I definitely want to get you back here in the future. But I want to thank you for joining me right here on Automotive ADHD. Thanks so much, Matthew. Thanks for having me. Wow. I, I know we have had fun here on the show. We have fun all the time, but stopping down and talking about something serious like this is really important. You know, last week I talked about how I don't think government mandated speed lim limiters and kill switches are the right solution to our road tragedies, but guardrails and road infrastructure are in the realm of the government. It is what they have authority over. And in many cases, they're not doing a good job with it. So uh, there you go. I really want to thank Steve for coming on the show. Now, don't miss a minute of this show. Lots of great ways to catch it on the radio. AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer Sundays at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Also, you can find it online wherever fine shows and this one are downloaded. Remember to give it a rating on Spotify as well. Keep in touch with the show on Facebook, facebook.com, Automotive ADHD, as well as send your car sounds in there. Uh, now, I will see you same time, same place, right here next week.